We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. I mean, you guys are the best team in Chicago. Everybody knows that. We all know that the afternoon show is not afraid of anything, really. Yeah. But Afternoons on the score. Tough. I mean, the Bulls battled back, but when you dig a hole that's that big, down 21 points, and you actually come back and take the lead, uh, a tough, tough way, uh, a hill to climb. And uh, this Cleveland team found the rhythm back, and they'll lose this game. So the Bulls go on. They lose this game, 109-91. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. So we've been watching. But because of the Bears drama, frankly, we haven't been talking a ton about the Bulls. There was a stretch where Zach was playing better. The Bulls were playing better. They've been winning more games. But the fundamental issues still seemingly remain the same. So Joe Cowley, terrific beat writer for the Bulls, and our friend from the Sun-Times joins us on the hotline presented by Circa Sports Illinois. Joe, as always, thanks for the time, man. How you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? We're we're doing well. Is the future of the Bulls any brighter, given what's happened in the last three or four weeks, we'll say? No, because I think the problem is some of those rumored teams, whether it was Toronto with Siakam, whether it was uh, Toronto with OG, um, New York and kicking the tires on Zach, they've all moved into action in other directions. And those were the teams that if there was a, a blip of life in possibly trading Zach, it was in the area of those teams. So now that those teams have gone elsewhere, which doesn't surprise me considering what I had heard even in the summer, that stuff just wasn't going to happen from the New York standpoint because they just overvalued what Zach Levine was. Um, and now you're seeing these other teams make moves in the East you're just having a market dry up more and more and more. And and not to say that those teams were that interested in him, because I think everyone's been pretty consistent with reporting that there is no market on Zach Levine. What you were hoping for is someone would get nervous as the trade deadline came along or whether there's an injury or there's a team that's playing better than expected and it needs that push, that scoring push, that someone would get antsy and go ahead and, and make an offer. Um, that's drying up. And I think the only place that – you can point to now is a bad deal with LA <laughs> and, and I don't, and from what I've been told, they, because of the new CBA, they know they can't have three max players. So that's, that's an issue. And so I, I you know, there's just nothing out there right now. And we're, and we're kind of what we're, I think nine, 10 games away from the, from the trade deadline, from a bull standpoint. Yeah. It's quite something, Joe. Uh, Brian Winhurst the other day said he thinks there's 0% chance that the Lakers trade for Zach Levine, 0% chance. And I, I think that's because of the financial realities that you're talking about. But, I mean, you referenced it, and Danny referenced it earlier in the show. Pascal Siakam is now uh, with the Pacers to pair with Tyrese right. Halliburton. They traded Bruce Brown, who they signed just this last offseason, because now we're past that January 15th deadline. So everything's available here. Every, everybody is signed. Everybody the Lakers re-signed are all available 
Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a market um, for Zach. Just so we get on record here, when Adrian Wojnarowski and others w- were reporting that there was no market for Zach and that he needed to play well, was that all like legit source stuff coming from teams or was that plants from bulls? Like what were your thoughts as that was happening? Because it seemed like at least for a little while, Zach got the message. He came back like a good soldier after the injury and seemed to play more of the team ball that they've been doing, kind of deferring to Kobe White sometimes, et cetera. No, that was pretty consistent league wide with, with, when you talk to different people, um, you know, I mean, we were obviously in and out of a lot of towns, a lot of scouts, a lot of executives that we see. And, and, consistently that was the message not only that Woj was getting Casey Johnson was getting I was getting mm-hmm. I mean across the board that just seems to be the underlying thing and this was my concern years ago and 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 I caught a lot of flack from it um Bill taught teams a lesson Washington taught teams a lesson that when you max a one-dimensional two-guard there is very little that goes right but yet people wanted to fight me on that and tell me the market would eventually change, the TV revenue would change things, and so, and even if they max him, um, it's going to be an easy contract to move. And this has always been my fear, that this, they were going to paint themselves in their corner with this guy. And, you know, it had nothing to do with his personality. I think he's a great guy. I think he's probably one of the, the, the better human beings that I've covered. Uh, I just didn't want to max him. And so – you know, unfortunately, this is the point we're at right now where they may have to just eat it for this season and then revisit it off season as years come off. But it's it's just it just gets uglier each year. I mean, we're talking, you know, this is only year two of it. We've got next year, the year after when it gets up to forty six million. And then he's got the player option for the year after that. at just under 50 million. Good luck. So so what does it look like if they're going to facilitate the bad deal with L.A. or the bad deal with somebody else like. What does it even look like? The Bulls have to add assets to get a team to take Zach Levine at this point? Well, I mean, first of all, the the idea that Reeves was ever involved with any kind of talk, I was told he's never been been put out there. Um, I mean, we're talking D'Angelo Russell and Rui, and and then you you, you fix the money. And that does nothing for the Bulls as far as – that just says – that's an admittance by the front office that we really screwed this up. Hmm. And so we have to take one bad expiring contract and then another contract of a guy that's, meh, he's just a guy. And, um, you know, that that was the only one that looked like, okay, that could possibly happen, but there's no winning that from a PR standpoint. And unfortunately, from what I keep being told, is it is still important for that front office with, with Arturis and Mark Eversley to look good as far as what they're doing and look smart and not admit that what they've done is wrong. Um, to me, that's just a bad way of, of managing, especially in a, in a, when you're operating the bulls, to me, you're operating a global brand, you're operating a major tech company. And the one thing you see good major tech companies do is admit when they're wrong, pivot and go a different du- direction aggressively. These guys are not doing that. And it's more, it's more still more of a mom and pop store. And it just it's just not working. And until I see something different before February 8th, I, I can see that press conference already being like, yeah, you know, it was a uh, we tried and there just wasn't a deal out there. It was uh, wasn't the market we thought. And so, you know, this is the team we want and continuity and, and, and beat that drum into the summer and then 
see if you could revisit something somehow. But it, it, it's going to be tough with that new CBA lurking. It's going to be a tough contract to move. A lot of us thought, because I, I was one of those people, frankly, that, that thought that I thought that Zach was heading towards, given the improvement that he had in his efficiency as a scorer, that he could flirt with being a 50-40-90 guy who was top 12 in the NBA in scoring. And yet, not a perfect two-way player, not a perfect facilitator, but a truly efficient, high-level scorer. And for about two and a half months last year, he was pretty damn close to that. Why has this version of Zach not been that or anywhere near that? Well, I mean, I think we talked about this last time. There's been a confusion and, and a, you know, it, you, you could point the finger of a perfect storm. When you go to clutch, you're, you're going there to be a businessman. You're going to be a basketball player, but you're going there to be a businessman. And two years ago when this thing was working, obviously Lonzo Ball was a key component of that, but let, let's move past that. Okay. Yeah. The other key component of that was the pecking order was DeMar, then Zach, then Vooch. When you max a guy out and then he signs with clutch, all of a sudden it becomes, well, why? And, and Zach was even saying this on the record, not even between the lines. He was saying late in games we get stagnant. Late in games, everyone knows what we're going to do. Late in games. He was saying give me a chance. He's just not that guy. He's not that guy. That's his history. And we're not talking small sample size. We're talking I could count on less than one hand of the great Zach Levine moments as a bull. I just can. I just can think. I mean, the Charlotte game, and again, it was Charlotte, and then a second half against Toronto in the playing game. That's it. You can't really give me any other Zach heroic moment. I can name five for DeMar, and he's been here for a couple of years. So I think the pecking order got skewed. And once that happened, you, ha- you have two guys that really like each other and are really good friends. But one of them has resentment about his place in the pecking order and on the totem pole. And, and, and so I, I think that had a lot to do with it. And then, you know, he, he never got over the, the benching by Billy. You know, I mean, they're, they're yeah. amicable. They, they, he just doesn't trust him. He doesn't trust the organization because he thinks they've leaked out a lot of the trade rumors the last couple of years. He still doesn't like the fact that, you know, they made him go to market and made Sacramento set a price on him and then, then match it on his last contract because he played at an undervalued contract for three years. So I, I think there's a lot of things where it's just time to go. And, 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 and that story leaked from clutch right. in, in the, the third week of the season. They, they totally botched the timing of that. I think they thought it was going to be something different when that got out that, oh, you got a 25, 26-point score just sitting there ready for anyone. And I think Zach, from what I've been told, I think Zach even regrets the timing of that because that was just a bad look. And then a couple things after when he pulled away from, from PR and, it just, you know, he, he, he's not a villain and trying to play the villain is not a good look for him. So it's just been a, just a, a lot of bad decision, whether it's from his camp or from him. Um, and, you know, they have to clean up the pieces around it somehow. Joe, uh, I, I agree with everything you just said, frankly. Um, and, and, 
the relationship between Demar and Zach is so interesting because they do like each other, and it's just oh, they love each other. It, yeah. You know what? I've made the corollary. It's like two lead guitar players in a rock band that just kind of keep fighting each other, trading licks. Every once in a while, they get a little too competitive with each other and just like start isolating, and 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 sometimes it doesn't work out. When Zach was down, and like all the assist numbers started jumping up, and the team concept yeah. was so clearly happening, and everybody's helping on defense. I mean. Now that he's back, it, it what what to what level is he including himself in that, allowing that to happen, and 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 can they be better than they were now that uh, some like Kobe has stepped up and maybe Zach is a little more willing to play that style? Can they be better than they were? Yeah, they can be better just because it's it's a tougher team to defend when the ball is moving. They still have their stagnant moments, um, you know. I thought DeMar had a couple stagnant finishes last week. I think it was in Charlotte and then another game after that. I asked Billy about it a couple times. I didn't like his ISO baseline. Um, He did back-to-back ISO's baseline, and and I don't see him making a lot of money uh, historically from that area. I always saw top of the key. And and so I asked Billy about that. And, you know, Billy's always going to protect the vets, and, and, you know, he – he even kind of admitted that's not really where you wanted DeMar. And um, and then it happened in the next game. I thought there were a couple bad isos. But for the most part, um, and I will say Zach has tried to assimilate and, and acclimate himself to this style, maybe sometimes almost going overboard and passing up shots. I think they would ideally like him to be take on Clay Thompson's mentality of when you get that ball coming up, up catch and shoot off of a curl, off of anything, shoot it. I mean, that's what you're good at. Um, what you're not good at is when you're bringing the ball up, whether it's fourth quarter, and you're making decisions. That's what they don't want. And I think if they can keep him kind of in a, a tunnel of where they feel his strengths are, I do think this team could continue to play good basketball. The problem is they dug themselves in such a big hole. Um, they're fighting kind of for that, that playing spot again. And it, uh, what's the sell? So what's the sell to the fan base? Here we are again. Maybe we could beat, uh, you know, your Torontos or your Atlantas. And, and, and <laughs> well, the, I mean, teams. that's I mean, the crazy that's, thing. They, they were the nine seed last year, and they're the nine seed this year. It's Yeah, and I would argue that they're actually probably playing a better brand of basketball that has a little more life in a playoff run or in a playing game right now. Again, the problem with this team is once you feel like, yeah, they're playing a certain way, something changes and they go into a rut. They also let go of the defense or they let go of the, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just a weird roster to continue to kind of ride out. And I just don't see why the front office wants to continue on this ride. Do you think DeMar has a long-term future here? Well, when you, when you're paying for DeMar, it's funny. I had a conversation with him the other day. We were just BSing off the record and, and he was talking about the idea of, he was talking about the Packers. And the idea that people don't understand the important, you know, nowadays people want to rush everybody. You know, Patrick's getting rushed. Kobe got rushed and was overwhelmed. And look, it's year five now, and he's figured it out. And all of a sudden, he's putting up all-star caliber numbers. So we were talking about Pat, and then he got to the Packers. He goes, I was just having this conversation about the Packers and this quarterback run of them. And the, co- the common component is these, they draft these dudes, and these dudes sit. And they just watch and they learn. And that's how it used to be. And now everything is rushed, rushed. Got to get this guy in, get this guy. Oh, this guy's a bust. Let's judge this guy right away. And so I think when you're paying for DeMar, which 
I think the writing is on the wall. If he's not traded by February 8th, you will offer him a contract. And what you're going to be paying for at age 34 is three years of declining offensive skills, but three years of a leader that all these young dudes love, look up to, and feel like they can learn the game and flourish under. So that's really what you're paying for. And I don't think it really means a damn to the common fan. They're like, yeah, what numbers can you get me and how many wins can you get me? Um, But I think it means something to the culture of a team. And that's something the Bulls lack severely is a consistent culture. So um, I I would not be surprised if, if they don't trade him by February 8th, which I don't feel like they will unless something changes on the market. I do feel like he will be extended to some some sort. Now, what that number is, who knows? Sure. But, um, you know, I do think they value what he brings, and I think the young guys, he is the Pied Piper, and they are following him. Well, you've seen it at times, and you certainly saw it in the stretch of Zacklessness, those 10 games, whatever it was. It was like he was picking and choosing his moments to try and take over, but he was also so happily passing and letting Kobe do his thing. It was it was kind of beautiful the way he was playing there for a little while. but um, Right. I mean, he believes in powering these young guys because he thinks yeah. that's the future of this team, which, you know, which I'm sorry, but the number eight doesn't. The number eight feels there's a pecking order, and you guys are, you know, you brought up the rock band. I'm the lead singer, and you guys are <laughs> everything behind me. Oh, uh, yeah. Humans. But, yeah, but Don't it, you it, love humans? That, it, yeah. Well, yeah, and <laughs> I, it's possible they're both wrong. Like we we we, well, we don't know if the young guys are played, uh, so something's not right. Well, you got to you, know I mean? you got to try and let the young guys show you that that something could be possible. You know what you are the other way. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and that's that was the other thing I asked uh, um, Billy about was you know why not you know I know Demar's ISO Demar's ISO at the end of games that's when he flourishes you know he's sixty percent you know in clutch time the last couple of years so that's your that's your money finisher. But why not let's see if Kobe can do it? What if Kobe can get up to 50-some percent as a finisher? Then all of a sudden, you know, you got two finishers that, hey, okay, you want to rotate? You're probably going to pay if you don't rotate right. I bet DeMar would allow that over the next few years if that if that's what it was. I think so. I think so. You know, I think he's kind of got to get off the ISO at the end of the game every time. And I think he tried earlier in the year. There were a couple of games where he actually did try going with Zach. And, you know, Zach, unfortunately, you know, kind of tinkled the bed, but, you know, I, I think he tried. I think he does want to empower other people, and, and I think that's kind of a, a – mis- uh, 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 I think he gets criticized wrongly about that because he does ISO a lot, and, but I do think his my- mentality is, you know, if these guys can make it, I, I'd let them make it, but I feel a little more confident in what I can do. The more things change, they are exactly the same. It's exactly the same. It's wild we've been having this conversation for this long about this team joe thanks as always for the time man good stuff uh you guys take care all right i hope um i i you know i, I think at least billy's tinkering and trying stuff did you see vooch and drummond out there together for a couple of stints the other night it's I like did. i mean I you, did. you gotta you gotta try and fiddle with this stuff more aggressively and at least billy's doing that sure i, I it's just there's a lot of ingredients that don't work together I don't. I don't know that there is a combination of players, a rotation, uh, a mixing and matching mm-hmm. uh, that works here. And by the way, I also get <laughs> buy low, sell high. This would be selling the absolute bottom of of Zach Levine. So I understand an organization's hesitancy to do it, but then you're just paralyzed. Yes. No. I, they, I, they, they are. They are just intractably 
paralyzed to being the same. There's a corollary there. As they get older. Yeah, like you you got to free up the possibilities. And I, I've thought that DeMar was the one holding back the possibilities of whatever youth you have getting better so maybe you've got a glimpse of something. But I think it's pretty clear that that Zach – is the one holding back those possibilities. And not that DeMar and the kids makes you a championship team, but it could make you a little bit better and build yourself a nest. So I'd be – look, if it's if it's D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura for Zach, I, I, I'd do that for the uh, subtraction part of it. Oh. I, for me, I'm in on oh. the subtra- – I know, but I'm oh. in on the subtraction part of it because otherwise you're what you just said, paralyzed. Yeah, but – yeah. I would not, because when you traded Jimmy, you got the seventh pick and Zach and Chris Dunn. You got three pieces that could elevate to something that was meaningful, right? Chris Dunn did not. Lowry Markkinen did, but it was too late. He's awesome. He's just awesome, not on the Bulls. And Zach is a two-time All-Star. You trade Zach for Russell and and Rui – that there's it's zero percent that either one of those guys is a is a meaningful contributor in terms of like a high-end thing i know but like there is the belief around the league that zach is not gonna have like some great extra chapter somewhere else i don't like like jimmy was such a good complete player with this crazy bulldog mentality i know it was on the table that he would continue to be good i don't i don't know what zach is gonna be i understand no you're, you're right that's a huge difference like and obviously, I don't, I don't want one of these guys to get hurt. But I would be interested in seeing what, what would we've talked about. You talked about Zacklessness. Yeah. What would fifteen games of Demarlessness look like if it started tomorrow? You, you, you think you think this know. team would function with the kids and Zach? Like I don't know. Function with the kids I, and Demar? I do not at all. I, I I don't I don't know. And my point is is that like I would at least like to exhaust all possibilities before trading him for what is in essence nothing you know and now one's an expiring contract so you could then replace it in the offseason with something else i understand that right as bad as d'angelo is he is expiring there's money there's money that's coming off he's going to be decomposing for a little bit according (laughs) to mike francesa (laughs) yeah that's right that's right so so that 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 would be the argument to go in that direction a lot of death on today's show a lot of death stuff too much i agree probably too much uh, we could lighten the mood, though, with uh, this piece of viral audio that probably we relate to a little too much. It's next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.